Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. This week, I wanted to shift gears a little bit. And I wanted to highlight a nonprofit organization called CAMS Kids Foundation. I'm going to be interviewing the national manager for CAMS Kids, and her name is Vanessa Morgan. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Vanessa is supporting the organization, which is for young people who are struggling with anxiety. Vanessa has been involved with CAMS Kids since it started six years ago, and she has had a strong passion for mental health and wellness, as well as her heart-centered leadership. She leads an ambassador team of over 600 members at 25 universities and colleges across Canada. So sit back, Get your cup of coffee, your glass of water, because you're in for a great conversation. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I love having young leaders, and I love talking to people all over the globe about heart-centered leadership and how they bring it to what they do. So really excited to dive in. So if you're ready, I'm ready to ask you some leadership questions. Yes, absolutely. Let's begin. You had alluded to me that you feel it's important to do something that you love. So my first question is, where did your passion become your strength as a leader? And what drew you into the nonprofit sector? So specifically, um, I always knew that I wanted to help people. I wasn't sure in what capacity, and that's kind of why it's so interesting to see where I ended up and why I ended up where I am today. So at first, I thought I wanted to take the social work route. That actually didn't work out for me. I started volunteering with Camps Kids Foundation, an organization that is near and dear to my heart because it's in memory of a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Cameron Hicks. We went to high school together and then uh, University of Ottawa. He was unfortunately struck by a motor vehicle um, and killed while we were attending university together. So I joined right away and wanted to get more involved with the organization. And then when I got more involved, I was offered this position. And when I graduated university, I was a little bit lost. As I say, I knew I had a passion for helping people, mental health, wellness, supporting my peers, being that listening ear. And it just so happened to work out that I got to be working while feeling like I'm not working. And to me, that's something so important because that's what drives motivation and that's what drives you to make those changes and be passionate about the work that you do. Um, so I would have to say that's what really drew me in and, you know, got me to 
become the type of leader that I am when you're truly passionate about something and something means so much to you. I find that it made it, you know, as I say, not feel like work and really uh, drive me to make some changes, especially in the mental health field. Well, thank you for sharing the story of, of really your, your on-ramp to the decision to join. And my background is in disability case management, and I've seen far too many times the good that can come out of a trauma, like the one you described, mm-hmm. and how it left an imprint on your heart and really changed the trajectory of your career. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I see it not only with myself, but I see it with other people that are joining CAM's kids in the volunteer capacity. Either, you know, they knew CAM and they want to drive that pain into something positive, um, or they themselves have dealt with their mental health struggles and challenges, or a friend or close family member, and that's what's driven them to join. So, you know, it's so true when you say, it can truly, the negatives in our lives can truly push us to do something positive. Well, we all have the advantage point to, I like to frame it and say, sit in the observer's chair when we can sit across from someone and and really see the world through their eyes. I think it gives us another vantage point. So such a powerful story, Vanessa. Thank you for sharing. My next question all my guests get share with us what imperfections you bring to your heart-centered leadership as the national manager for cams kids this is a really interesting question um i think one of the ways that i lead actually is through imperfection and showing that it's okay to be yourself to not be perfect you know it's especially in our field and industry that we're in with mental health, it is far from perfect. You're not waking up every day in a perfectly good mood, looking great, feeling great, ready to tackle the day. You're going to have some days where you don't want to get out of bed or where it's really difficult to do simple, small tasks like brush your teeth, eat breakfast, answer your text messages, get up, work. Um, It's a really challenging time for a lot of people right now. So a way that I lead uh, by example and bring in imperfection into my leadership is just with being your authentic self, showing when you make mistakes that it's okay. It's normal to have hiccups in your everyday life and your everyday routine. Um, When you're authentic and you're yourself, you're also able to bring in real raw conversations especially surrounding mental health, what you've been through. If you've had a crappy week, let's talk about it. Let's not say that we've had a really great week and everything's going great and I'm accomplishing so much. We're in the middle of a pandemic and we have to remember that it's going to be challenging and it's going to be difficult. So for me, I think a way that I show other people and our leaders and ambassadors that you know, it's okay to be imperfect is just by being my true authentic self and showing my own imperfectionisms and letting people know that it's okay to struggle and it's okay to have those bad days. 
You're giving me goosebumps here. I'm sitting here going, she is speaking my language. <laughs> let's let's reiterate a couple of nuggets from that answer. Authenticity, real raw conversations. Mm-hmm. If I'm modeling something that's so relatable to you, it makes me be heart-centered. You know, mm-hmm. you're bringing qualities of responsibility and commitment and being compassionate for yourself, but also other people. Yeah. When you can help other people rise and give them support because you know where they are because you've been there, how can we have a better heart-centered connection than that? Powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And being vulnerable, showing that you've been through similar experiences and being able to relate and provide that compassion, as you said. And I think that's what allows people to open up and to be able to be authentic themselves. I fully agree with you. I'm going to move into my third leadership question. Mental health had a significant baseline before we started the COVID-19. And I know this is a big question and I'm going to deflate the elephant here a little bit. Share with us what you've observed as the National Manager for CAMS Kids Foundation. University and college students are at home. What have you noticed to be some of the big challenges for the work that you do and what has been the impact for these young people with this pandemic? Oh, what a loaded question. Um, It's something that I have really seen. Uh, It's unfortunate, you know, I have seen firsthand university and college students struggle to begin with. They're transitioning maybe from living at home to university where they're far away, they're not as close and connected with their family and friends. Or maybe they're taking on a new course load where they have extra stress and pressure to get good grades if they need certain marks for post-grad or even just uh, to graduate because I know a lot of them that are involved with Cam's kids are truly passionate, hardworking people that they put that pressure on themselves to do their best and to accomplish their goals. And then you throw a pandemic into the mix and it's a whole different ballgame. This anxiety that was already existing for our ambassadors as well as students all across Canada, it's doubled if not tripled. They're anxious about their future. They don't know, you know, what's happening tomorrow, let alone today. They're unsure about virtual learning, you know. That's something that no one expected they would have to deal with. Their routine that's already different is even now more different and they have to adapt in that regard. So some of the challenges I've truly seen is just the screen time. They're stuck in front of their computers, isolated at home. They're not able to see friends and family. They're not able to get that social interaction, physical activity, Um, even fresh air, because they're not walking in between classes, they're not meeting friends to study and grab coffee in between. So just that impact of isolation and the anxiety struggles have really, really increased. And 
I know on our end, with our support for anxiety and mental health, we have seen this increase because of the demand for resources and people needing that extra support. They need somebody to talk to. They need someone to lean on. They need ways to cope with how to deal with this isolation, how to take that break from their computer screen and reconnect with friends in different capacities. Um, so that's something that our ambassadors have been awesome with trying to do. We've had tons of online events like yoga, mindfulness techniques. We've done really fun baking and cooking at home things, uh, paint nights, a variety of awesome self-care chats and being able to just connect in this different capacity is how we've been trying to help. But as I say, it's just challenges day by day. These students are not cut out for this type of learning. They're not cut out to be stuck at home, isolated from friends and family. So we've all, you know, been trying our very best to support them to the best that we can, but we really felt the impact that CAMS kids and with our ambassadors that COVID has been having on their mental health and anxiety. Well, you just segue nicely into my last question. I love that you call your volunteers ambassadors. I just love that word. And I've volunteered for over 40 years myself, and I'm quite saddened that I haven't been able to volunteer at our local hospice here in London, Ontario. How do you lead a group of volunteers and keep them active and engaged? And what parameters and changes have you had to do to pivot with the pandemic, leading your ambassadors? Well, this was actually quite the challenge at the start, especially when COVID hit last year, we were all left a little lost. Everyone didn't know how long this was going to last. There were a lot of questions answers that we didn't have. So as a leader, I was really feeling a lot of pressure because I had students coming to me in different capacities. Uh, one, they wanted to stay involved with CAMS kids, but we didn't know how because we were operating solely in person with, you know, um, booths on campus and different events and awareness initiatives that they were running. Their meetings were all held in person. I also had people that were having uh, mental health challenges that they needed that extra support. So I had to work with my colleague, Megan, to get our website revamped. We had to get many resources and partnerships aligned in order to support these students that were struggling. And then in terms of our ambassador program, I really felt that I had to make a shift and I had to make it quick. Uh, so the way that I did that, along with the support of my colleague Megan and the ambassadors, we've solely transitioned to online. So we used our social medias, mainly uh, our Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter accounts to run the initiatives that we were running, but online. So we have over 25 schools. We had to create a calendar where the teams would take turns on our Instagram running these different events. We had to come up with events that you can do at home. Okay what can we still do? Well, we can have a yoga instructor that leads from their living room and we can do that wherever in our apartments or our houses at home. We can do some fun activities um, like arts and crafts or that baking and cooking. And we can really still have these conversations together. So we had uh, Zoom meetings with all of our 
ambassadors where we would just have an ambassador chat once a week and you know people could come on and just truly be as I was talking about earlier their authentic selves and talk about what they're going through and just have that support network I think was so crucial and important and then we also were able to just have everyone come together and provide the support in a different capacity. So we were fortunate, you know, as you said, you weren't able to still volunteer, but Cam's kids, we were able to transition everything online so people could still be involved, obviously in a different capacity, but still be able to support their peers uh, to the best of their ability. And we've actually grown massively since COVID. So that is one positive that I will throw into this mix. We've onboarded 200 new ambassadors in the past year because people have wanted to take this struggle and the challenges that they're facing every day and that they're seeing with their peers and classmates and families. And they've wanted to take that, volunteer their time to support those around them. So that is one positive that we've seen, but as a leader, I have definitely felt, you know, the pressure to support these ambassadors, support the students and be able to also support our leaders on our leadership team because they have also felt the increased pressure to support those around them. So it's really taken a lot of adapting and being able to do what I can and knowing that I can't do everything. I think accepting that has been something I've had to come to terms with as well, but I'm super grateful that we've still been able to operate and support those around us. Well, I love the honesty and I I love the humility and I love the openness that you've had to just be confident in your leadership style and some of the decisions. And you haven't lost the the forefront of supporting people. You've just figured out different strategies to implement what that looks like with COVID-19. So I just want to congratulate you because I know it hasn't been easy and I know we're on the, the second wave here, but I can hear the positivity and the hope and the optimism in your voice when you're telling me how you've done this. And there's a lot of joy in this from you and I can hear it, Vanessa. It's, it's heart-centered all the way. I think you are the right person in the right role. Ah, thank you so much. That truly means a lot to me. And, you know, we've had to try and be as positive as we can, because it's not positive times right now. It's really exhausting and difficult and challenging for so many people in so many different capacities. But day by day, we have to keep going. We have to know that we have to adapt. And know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? So that's what's been pushing us through and still supporting those around us, as I say, to the best of our ability. But positivity is something I really had to tune into. And also my own self-care practices as a leader as well. I've had to set boundaries. I know that I have to sometimes take a break, step back from my role, step back from my position because you can't do everything. And although as leaders, we feel like we have to, and we feel like that's our job and that's our mandate on what we set out to do, in order to accomplish more, sometimes you have to take that step back and do less. So I really had to tune into that inner wisdom and realize when I had to take those breaks, set boundaries, and truly just be able to do what I can and accept that as well. 
Well, when a leader models self-care, it lends a hand to foster a beautiful culture and self-care. I'm a big proponent of that language. So congratulations on that. I'm going to shift gears now, Vanessa, and we're going to talk about the Fab Four. Four fun questions. We want to know what's sitting on the top of your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, first question. Tell us something we don't know about Vanessa. That is a fun question. Um, something you might not know about me is that I played hockey growing up. I was on many rep teams, and I am a goalie. So this was a position that took a lot of mental strength and agility and having to learn different ways of coping with loss, right? As a goalie in that position, the weight uh, of a team is really on your shoulders. So it was pretty cool to learn some different things through that sport. And I think that's what's really helped me get to where I am today. Those transferable skills, they have a place in our life, don't they? I love it. Yes, yes. What top three qualities do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? I would say I bring, the first one would be passion. As we discussed, um, I'm passionate for helping people as well as carrying on Cam's legacy uh, to the best of my ability with the team members around me. I also think um, leading by example would be another one. I really like to not always tell, but illustrate what makes a good leader and how those around me can be strong, independent, and successful people. Um, and I think that's the third quality that I exhibit as a leader um that's a tough one I'm stuck between a few but I think really just motivation um I truly find that being able to be motivated and have goals and set that mission and set that to the best of your ability is something that drives change especially in the not-for-profit fields and mental health industry um so yeah I would say that those are my three qualities well, there's certainly three exemplary ones to to have in your leadership toolkit, and I think you've exercised them well, especially during the pandemic. Third Thank question. You. you have to sit down with the 16-year-old version of Vanessa. What advice would you give her? Ooh, that's a really good question. Something that I would give to my 16-year-old self is that you cannot plan and control everything. When I was in high school, I, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I had my next 10 years set out. I knew what career path I wanted to take, but you have hiccups along the road. So something I would tell my, you know, past self is to go with the flow. And it's something that we all have difficulty with. We think that we have to have everything in place in terms of our job, our friends, our relationships, our family, um, schooling, everything, your education. So I think just being able to adapt and know that things will work out the way that they're meant to and take that pressure off of yourself is something that I really would have liked my younger self to know and to really tune into. Growth comes from the valley. We need all those hills, all those mm -hmm. peaks, all those valleys. We, 
we don't uh, land on the yellow brick road. We, we, we learn and, and become leaders from the growth and, and how we get through challenges. That's a great answer. My last question, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I want my legacy to be, oh, that's a really tough, really tough one. I think, um, something that I want is kindness and strength. Um, you know, the first being kindness, because I think it's so important to meet everybody with kindness. You don't know, you truly don't know the battle that people are facing in their day-to-day lives. We all experience stress. We all experience difficulties in different capacities, but being able to just welcome people with kindness and understanding is something that I think in so many aspects of our lives would benefit us and the greater good. Um, and just, you know, having strength in different situations and being able to do the very best that you can and having that acceptance that you're doing what you can, especially in the midst of a pandemic and other challenges that you're going to face in the future, just having that understanding that you're not always able to do the very best, but if in your eyes you're pushing through and you're holding on and you're holding that strength, then it's something that you can carry on with you and you can have other people that follow in your footsteps. Well, that's beautiful. And because you are the national manager for CAMS Kids Foundation, just going to throw in and end the show with another question. Would you give the listeners an overview of how this organization came to be and share a little bit about how this foundation was started and the story behind it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity to, to explain a little bit more. So Cam's Kids Foundation was in memory of Cameron, as I previously mentioned. Uh, He actually struggled severely with anxiety in high school, and he learned to manage and overcome it. He really knew how to cope with different holistic resources that him and his family had researched. They talked to many different um, people in the holistic industry, so naturopaths, wellness coaches, different people that truly helped them get to where you know they were with Cameron's mental health and he went off to university he was doing very well and unfortunately on Halloween night he was struck by a motor vehicle um, while attending the University of Ottawa so when this tragedy happened his family wanted to take this and help other people because it's not easy to get free mental health resources to have someone that you can rely on you know the buddy system maybe you don't have that person at school or even at home that you have to rely on so they not only wanted to help spread awareness about the resources that they learned in the holistic field like nutrition mindfulness techniques exercise nature the importance of all these things that we can implement into our lives but they also really wanted to raise awareness about um peer support, you know, the importance of having those people that you can talk to without maybe going to a therapist or getting that support because people might not have access or they might not be able to afford it. So 
they really put this to life and then they transitioned it and it's grown so much over the last six years. Actually, when I joined Cam's Kids as a volunteer, I was one of the first on the team. And I remember we were so excited when we had like 10 people that signed up to be interested. We had our first meetings and uh, Cameron's family's home with a few of us and we were so passionate. And to look where we are six years later at 600 ambassadors at 25 colleges and universities across Canada. We have a partnership with Kids Help Phone where we drive that support, drive that advice for people. We have so many resources, holistic tips and tools on our website, which reaches thousands of people weekly. Uh, so just to see how something has turned to be so positive and impact so many lives, I think that it's something I'm extremely proud to be a part of. And I know it's incredibly awesome for the Hicks family as well to see the meaningful way that Cameron's legacy of love and kindness has lived on. Well, it's absolutely beautiful. And we will make sure that we put all of the social media links below in the podcast episode. And I always like to end the podcast with a quote and I found a beautiful quote by Elizabeth Andrew about volunteers. And I think it speaks beautifully to this podcast. I think it speaks to imperfection. And I think it speaks to heart-centered leadership. Her quote is, volunteers do not necessarily have the time. They just have the heart. So Vanessa, thank you for sharing your heart and your leadership with me today on Imperfect. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much, Deb. And what a beautiful quote to wrap things up. It is so true. We don't have the time, but when you have the heart, you're able to make the time and you're able to drive that change. So I am so appreciative to you having us on. And I know that you're going to throw in uh, Cam's Kids links at the bottom, but just to reiterate, it's www.camskids.com for anxiety and mental health resources and our support system. Uh, you can also reach us on Instagram at camskids underscore eight, Twitter at camskids underscore eight, and Facebook is camskids eight, and then LinkedIn, you can find us as camskids foundation. So thank you so much, Deb. Your podcast is absolutely incredible. And kudos to you for driving change of leadership and imperfectionism, because that is something that we all need to talk about more often. Oh, absolutely. I think you know, if we all could share in the belief that every human mind feels pleasure in doing something good for one another, it's just a, it's just another plug on the road to embrace heart-centered leadership and know that kindness is 100% a strength. It is not a weakness. And I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing and the resources that we can put out there from this podcast today for students attending university and colleges across Canada, but the global reach that we'll have with the internet and your website. So if you enjoyed listening to the show today, we'd love for you to give us a star rating and a review. And I want to thank you for sharing time with me today. This is Deb Crow. And once again, thanks for tuning in to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.